Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about job planning for success with the help of special guest Dave Wittig of Adams and Beasley Associates in Carlisle, Massachusetts. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, I'm Tim Fowler and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. Anyone that's ever heard me speak at a conference or pretty much anywhere, I'm all about planning. Uh, I often think about the fact that maybe I'm too much about it. I'm thinking about what's going to happen next spring or six months from now. So um, I think about it in terms of jobs from beginning of the job all the way through the entire job. Daily planning can often make a job and help us hit the budget, help us hit the schedule and those kinds of things. I know also that one of the biggest struggles for people that work on jobs and that run jobs is making the time to plan and then in some cases even feeling like it's worthwhile. So I guess this is mostly because we almost always feel like we're under the gun. It it almost always feels like we're behind. And so what we do is we just dig in we grit our teeth, we clench our fists, we whatever, and we just get to work. And of course, when that happens, it takes us away from all the mental aspects of running a job, like daily planning. So another issue that we often face is that even though we plan pretty well, and we've got things lined up in remodeling and in new home construction, things happen that we don't expect. Those things happen that just throw us off the plan. So in some cases, these things can be foreseen with better planning. In other cases, it cannot. And so we fall back into this mentality of why plan when it never works anyway. So we want to talk about this a little bit with Dave. Now, those of you who don't know how we do this show, we're actually video seeing each other. Uh, and you're getting the audio, but I'm sitting here looking at my guest who has a hat on and in his hat, there is a pencil pouch. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever seen this, but I'm obviously excited about it and got to get one, but, uh, (laughs) it's, it's just fantastic. My point being is our guest today works the job site. He's a, a project manager for Adams and Beasley and he's on site doing the work. And we want to try in our podcast to get more and more people that are on site doing the work as guests, because I know that's where much of production really takes place. So this is a little advertisement right now. If any of you out there listening have a team member that has a particular skill, they do a great job, like they're great at hitting a schedule or something like that, send Steve or I an email at Tim at remodelersadvantage.com, Steve at remodelersadvantage.com, and, and, and suggest them, and we'll see about getting them on the show. So, Steve, I know you and I both were sole proprietors, and an awful lot of the planning 
fell on our shoulders right from day one. What What's your experience with it? Yeah, well, I'm interested to talk to Dave because one thing that I always notice is that if I made my plan the night before, it was 10 times better and seemed to sink in more than doing it in the morning. I would come home late at night. I would say the last thing I want to do is make that plan for the next day. And then, you know, there's also the fact that I would go in at 8 a.m., there was a disaster and the plan is then, you know, right. used on the other side of the paper. But um, no, I, I mean, job planning was huge. And it just I think one thing to keep in mind is that you are being cognizant of what you're planning for. So if you see the lumber runs, if you see the different things that are coming into your plan to be, uh, you know, leery of that as well. How about you? Well, like I said, uh for most of my career, I was planning for myself and maybe one or two other people when I first started, but I'm a natural planner. Like I suggested in the intro, I I'm thinking about stuff that's six months out and, and do I have my airline reservation done? And I have a system for keeping track of all that. And then I think the the big thing though, for me is that when things do go a little bit wrong, then I still have to react like everybody else does. Yep. Well, let's get into it. Dave Wittig is the project manager with Adams and Beasley Associates, located in Carlisle, Massachusetts. He's approaching two years with Adams and Beasley and just recently attended the BRAGB PRISM Awards, where the company was awarded a gold award for one of Dave's recent projects. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks. Appreciate having me. Hey, congratulations on the award. And, um, I'm excited to have you. Dave and I have known each other for a while, and it's just fun to have him on the show. So what types of projects are you managing? Just to give everybody a sense of what you do uh, for Adams and Beasley, and, and maybe a little bit about who's on your team uh, with the, those arrangements. So predominantly we do with large-scale, uh, higher-end remodeling, um, residential remodeling. Um, primarily based in the city, uh, in the uh, immediate suburbs. Uh, right now, I'm out in the out kind of what in the suburbs in the woods a little bit, but most of our projects are in city high rises, um, and the projects are of um, pretty significant size. Obviously, with tight deadlines. Um, most so of the that, time, so there's a lot of complexity. I, I just afraid of the city, right? And yeah. so, get working in downtown Boston there's got to be some incredible complexities to those kinds of projects. Yeah, the logistics, the work is always the same, but it's always the logistics that drive those projects. Um, you know, cabinets are cabinets, and electricians uh, do the same thing, um, but getting them there, getting materials in and out of there, parking, arranging who's coming in first, who's coming in second, those are you know, the real d details that sort of, uh, make a project sort of, um, success. So who's on your team with you? You're a project manager. Do you, I know you, I know from talking to Nick on this program, uh, you know, previously you have a lot of in-house employees, but mm -hmm. how do you characterize your team? Who's on it with you? Um, predominantly it's uh, myself as a project manager. Usually have a lead carpenter. Um, and we also have what we call pro, uh, project coordinator, who's um, my kind of my link to the office my link to the office and my link to the design side of things uh, who handles most of the selection process um, and some of the large scale ordering. So there's the three major components in the background. We still have our, pro our production manager who darts in and out and helps uh, deal with things as needed. 
Um, hopefully, if I'm doing my job well, I don't see him very often. <laughs> and um, then it's down to the trade partners in all of our in-house um, labor, uh, con- um, carpenters and, um, and painters and such. So um, three-person team at the top, um, running anywhere from one to two more people. Anywhere right now, I've had up to um, 35 people on site. Wow. Okay. So a lot of logistical stuff. So uh, I'm beginning to believe more and more that you're the guy we need to talk to. So let's uh, let's kind of talk about that. Um, now, mostly we're going to talk about the day-to-day stuff, but what happens right up front? Like when you get a project, what kind of stuff do you do in terms of trying to get all this stuff set up ahead of time so that at least there's some game plan for it? Yeah, so... I can't, I don't believe I've ever been characterized as a maniacal planner. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I struggle with planning my days to the, you know, the quarter, quarter hours. Um, but I always have to have a rough outline. I have to have a schedule of some sort to start with. So I think on the big picture, when a project comes in, we're creating a schedule that gives me a start date and gives me an end date, um, which the end date's usually pretty tight and pretty um, locked in stone. Um, and then we kind of start filling in the gaps from there. With that outline, I can start breaking it down into smaller pieces. So I can't plan a day without having a bigger a bigger plan to follow. So it starts with a big picture, and then it just kind of trickles down into smaller and smaller pieces. So does your does your large plan? Uh, I'm assuming you're referring mostly to a, a detailed uh, schedule, like a Gantt chart or a yeah. calendar or something like that. Is that what yep. you're talking about? Exactly. Okay. And then that, do you break that up into uh, individual goals or like weekly goals or daily goals or anything like that? Is there some kind of a, a breakdown? You said it trickles down. What does that look like? What does that trickle down look like? So we started to break down um, the major pieces such as um, ordering, um, ordering for large scale um, pieces, cabinets, windows, appliances, and I know what my lead times are, those start to define themselves as goals on the project. So if I know I need to be installing cabinets by this date, I got to be able to order cabinets 10 weeks in front of that. Windows, appliances, tile orders. So as I start breaking those pieces down, they start to populate deadlines and goals. So I want to be plastered before I get my cabinets. I need to plaster by this date. I need to have, I need to have, um, inspections done before I can plaster. So those, those are automatically define themselves as my goals. So how do you, uh, make sure that you're watching these things? In other words, the, the goals are there, the deadlines are there, but what structure, if any, do you have in place that helps you remember those things? Cause we always, I mean, we hear about it all the time. Oh, I forgot we had to do that, you know? And then, boom, you're already two weeks behind or a week behind because somebody forgot. So it, what, what mechanism do you have for kind of keeping those things in front of you? So we, we, as things trickle down, we have um, um, a two- or three-week look ahead. So we have a mini, a mini schedule that comes out of the large-scale outline. Um, I struggle with calling it a schedule because it's not necessarily a schedule when it's big-picture-oriented. So as those goals develop themselves, then we start looking at a two or to three week lead ahead, look ahead, so we can kind of game plan what has to happen this week in order for two and three weeks from now to be you know on track. Um, 
and I also lean on the team a lot. So my lead carpenter and my PC are constantly looking at that the same same way. They have their list of tasks to do the same way as I do, and um, it helps having some overlap to make sure that if I forgot it, hopefully one of the other two don't forget it. So it's uh, leaning on the team as, as much as it is having a tool in hand. Um, that two to three week look ahead involves everything from materials and ordering to labor needs to um, if it's in the city, it's, it's parking access, parking permits, notifying tenants, notifying neighbors. Um, it can have ramifications all across the board. It's not about, you know, how many studs I have to put in place on Tuesday. It's about all the pieces that go in front of it. How do I even get the studs on the site? So what do you actually have? I mean, you just listed off some things that some of us don't ever deal with. And parking is one of those things downtown. I remember seeing one of your guys' estimate sheets for a police detail because, mm -hmm. and I went like, holy cow, who thought of that? You know, it's like those kinds of things. And that's what's so intriguing to me about the kind of work you guys do is that the logistics are huge. So do you, on this two or three week look ahead, do you actually have like a, checklist that helps you remember to think about all those different things or is that just sort of um knowledge that the project managers get and they kind of have to keep it in their head to make sure they think about those things well i'd love to give you the answer that it's a checklist and it's pure <laughs> and clean and it's easy but um i think it's a little rougher than that okay the, um a lot of it's just the knowledge and the experience of working in the city for the most part okay so i think um, I think we could create a checklist relatively easily, um, but it's not something that ever really gets done or followed the way we would envision or would want it to. Okay, so it's so it's really uh, it's just a way that your project managers and your lead carpenters can focus a little bit on what's happening this week, what's happening the next week, and what's happening the next week, and then the brain gets to work in about you know like what's the details that have to go into that. Exactly. You make the so, mistake about not having a police detail a couple times. A police detail a couple times. You make that mistake, and you learn very quickly and very. Uh, <laughs> that lesson stays with you. So, is there a particular time that you do you set aside a particular time to focus on this two to three week look ahead, or again, is it something that you kind of do as you're traveling uh, through the day? Um, a little bit of both. Personally, I end up making notes as they come to me. Um, I'm, I'm moving around enough that if a, if a thought hits me, I usually have to write it down or capture it in some way because I'm not, um, you know, I'm not necessarily always in a place where I can just kind of write it down. I'm not always sitting at my desk. So sometimes I'm writing it on back of my hand. I'm writing it on a two by four. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get into the technology of being able to put it onto my phone, uh, which actually has really good success, but I'm, it's, I haven't built that habit fully yet. Um, but predominantly, I try and plan my next week at the end of the week. So by Thursday or Friday, I'm, I'm putting some thought and some time into figuring out what has to happen next week. Yeah, I was, uh, I've, I've typically been a, you know, like everybody needs to do it every day, you know, and I visited a company in Nashville. This was a few years back. And I went back for a second visit and we were talking about this planning thing. And one of the guys there said, you know, I don't do it every day, but every Friday afternoon I take three or four hours and I make a detailed plan for the next week. 
And that seemed to work really, really well for him. So that's an interesting idea that you're, you're throwing out there. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other things that we do that is more team focused is on this, on the job site, we have a, a white uh, erase board, a white marker oh. board. Um, and that's our one week plan. And that's sometimes our daily plan. So on that, um, and it's just something that I've started using a little bit more, and I'm really loving the effect of being able to just quickly look and gauge, see who's on site, what's expected on a certain day of the week. So by Friday afternoon, I'm hoping that the next week's daily five days is planned out with at least who's supposed to be on site, what deliveries might be coming, what impediments I might have to deliveries, whether or not I've got somebody, you know, conflicts, two deliveries trying to come at the same time or whether, uh, you know, there's there's street work or road closers or anything like that that might prohibit, you know, easy flow. And that whiteboard is something that all the team members can kind of make notes on. So if I come by something and see something somebody wrote on there, that triggers me to say, oh, I have to go talk to them about, you know, the conflict that just came up with. So, so who is the primary responsible party for that whiteboard? Is that the lead carpenter? Um, or is it you? It really is a team owned piece. I'd say I'm filling it out 60% of the time. Um, the lead carpenter and, um, you know, some of the, even the carpenters will write on there at times or some of the subcontractors, some of the more trusted subcontractors will put on there what they know what their next week's schedule is. I'm here on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but I'm not here on Friday. You know, they'll lay that out for us. Okay. So you've got some help. You, I mean, it's, and, and this is a really a cool idea a cool, uh, thing that it's not all sitting on your shoulders, especially right. for these big complex projects. That's a, that's a great way to get the whole team involved. Yeah. I couldn't so, do it for myself. So what happens when you spend a bunch of time planning for next week and then something again, let's, let's just say it's very unexpected pops up. Mm-hmm. How does that, how does that impact your planning? How does what do you do then as a project manager? Well, it's, it's going to sound very corny, but I plan for what I don't know. So I plan for the idea that something's going to go wrong. Something's, in, for the most part, I can probably pinpoint five or six points on a job that are going to have complications or that are typically the hard, bumpy parts of the job and contingencies. So um, setting expectations and planning out some contingencies usually get me through those. Um, setting expectations with the subs, with the employees, sometimes with the owners and saying, this is a dicey part of the job. Things are going to go wrong. I don't know what yet, but it's going to happen. And as long as everybody knows that something is coming, the reaction is a lot easier. So do you, this is so intriguing. Do you have any kind of a, like an example that you could share with us about something like this that happened that you kind of knew there was going to be a problem, but uh, you know, and then finally something hit and you were able to react a little bit better? Um, specifically, I'd say probably one of the biggest things that we've just recently done is we, we changed, uh, we had a large cabinet delivery coming for a kitchen. And we knew that the cabinet builder was really tight on his time frame, And we decided to um, interrupt the process a little bit and ship the cabinets unfinished install them and finish them on site knowing that if he had a problem, which as soon as he, as soon as they bring up the idea that they might have a problem, I hear, I hear that's a problem. 
It's not an if, it's a, it's a when. <laughs> right. Um, so it's a matter of just trying to reshuffle, reshuffle some of those. So it's a, it's a contingency plan. If they can't deliver on time, what do I rearrange in order to make that, you know, to make that work? So um, setting expectations that, you know, we need some flexibility. Uh, an error or a delay shouldn't be a surprise. And to already think about what happens if that comes true, usually um, speeds that process up quite a bit. The reaction, how you react is, is where it all is, you know, makes or breaks. You can spend a week trying to figure out what to do if you've never thought of it. But if you've got some sort of a semblance of an idea of what to do, I can shorten that time frame up. Um, so this is so this is absolutely a great way to view this. I love that view that you have that says the first inclination that there might be a problem, I shift into how do I fix the problem before it actually occurs? Because I'm thinking back on my construction and I think maybe to my shame, I'm thinking like, I sure hope it doesn't end up that way and I don't do anything. And I'm thinking a lot of people listening to this are in that same boat. We go like, yeah, the cabinet guy said it's awful tight. And so we go like, well, I hope it works, you know, and then knowing full well that there's a 75% chance it's not going to be because, you know, even, I don't know how to say this, but we, we, we try to paint the rosiest picture. So instead of going like, no, I can't make that schedule. We say, you know, I think we can do it. I think I and can. The, I think I can. And then knowing full well, we're not really going to do it. So I love that idea that getting that little bit of problem uh, idea out there and then going into fix it mode right away and figuring out a different strategy for making it work. As soon as I hear that red flag, um, it's a matter of a concern. You know, I, I hear because usually I think you said it well, they're trying to say the right thing. They're trying to be accommodating. But as soon as it, there's doubt in their mind, that doubt's in my mind. And it's just, you know. And then you can proactively plan for a different solution as opposed to getting caught off guard and then having to react as much as many of us do. And then and out of those conversations, because that's what they are, the conversations with the team about how to solve this problem proactively, out of that comes potentially a better idea anyway. And then you get to go back to the cabinet maker and say, okay, how about this? I'm going to solve your problem for you. I'm going to give you an extra week because we can absorb that delay in a different manner. Um, and now you've taken the pressure off of them. They're grateful. The job still runs smoothly. No one knows. No one knows that the problem even existed. So Dave, when you do the two to three week look ahead, is this a template that you use? I don't know if you said that yet. It's, um, it's a rough template. So okay. we actually have a template that's um, somewhere in our server that is um, was out there to get the idea originally going. But I don't think it's really used that um, that specifically. Usually yeah. it's a matter of just trying to informally plan out um, what we accomplished this week shows us what we can accomplish next week. Um, who do we need and what do we need to accomplish that? And I'd say the three-week period of time gets to have less accuracy. I mean, by the time we're projecting out three weeks, we don't have much accuracy. So three weeks is it's good to get it on paper because it keeps it in the forefront of your mind. But 
chances are it's going to change before we get there. Two weeks should have pretty good accuracy, and next week should have really high accuracy. And I'm so interested in what you said about kind of planning or knowing that things are going to go wrong. Is that listed on your, you know, is is there kind of a left turn or a fork in the road in your planning? Or, or you just kind of know that you'll get there if something, if a cabinet comes in cracked? No, we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky that. I'm lucky enough to have a team with a broad amount of experience and knowledge that um, if I haven't seen the problem before, I'm guaranteed that one of my teammates has seen it before. So I have a high um, confidence that I can get around any of those hurdles, um, which sometimes is a detriment because it (laughs) allows me to be lazy on my planning. Um, I I can actually be lazy on something because, well, if that happens, I'll figure it out. And, you know, if I can't, somebody else can. And, and so it's not a great thing to be lazy on in that manner, but uh, I'd say sometimes that happens. So let's go back, go back to the cabinet example. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to emphasize this idea of the team and the planning and the, and the working it out as you go along, because it sounds like, or maybe you can tell me, like in that example, you saw the red flag did you get together with your project coordinator and your lead carpenter or your production manager and say, okay, this is a red flag. What are some of the solutions or is this pretty much just your ball to handle? Uh, no, it's certainly a team effort. It's absolutely a team effort. So um, in order to come up with an idea like that, you have to have buy-in. I mean, you can't just, completely take a left turn without anybody thinking or, you know, what the ramifications are or making sure that all the team members are, are buying in. Because if you don't have buy-in on a plan, it's, it's as useless as not doing anything. So there certainly was a discussion between myself, the lead carpenter, um, our um, PC, our project coordinator. Um, once we kind of realized that it was a plan that had, that had uh, merit, then we go out to the cabinet um, finisher and make sure that they buy in. And admittedly, in this conversation, that was the hardest buy-in. He wanted to finish all the cabinets in his shop under controlled conditions and do it all at once. Um, But unfortunately, um, it wasn't the best plan for the for the project. Right. Um, And we understood that you know he wanted to be able to have as good a conditions as he could possibly you know have. Um, But at the same time, he was a teammate, and he was willing to. Uh, adapt to what what it called for. So it took a little bit of convincing, but at the same time, at the end of the day, everybody's on board and, and forward we go. Yeah, so I, th- I think this is a, a key thing because I think sometimes project managers and lead carpenters in similar roles on projects feel like it's all on them. And so they end up just making sort of... Um, it's not arbitrary, but, but very strict decisions like, okay, everybody, listen up. This is what we're doing, mm-hmm. as opposed to pulling people in, and particularly trade contractors, because sometimes we do treat trade contractors like, look, you work for me, and you do what I tell you to do, but bringing them in and helping them, letting them help make these decisions that are uh, relatively difficult at times to make when things change. Yeah. So, Dave, as we're wrapping this up, this has been fantastic. I think just the honesty and some some ideas about how to work with reality. You know, some of us that aren't out in the field, we go like, it ought to be just like this every day. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, we're dealing with, with reality. 
So maybe just a couple of last little tidbits or a nugget or something on planning that maybe our, our uh, listeners can take away from this just to get a, a better sense or a, a, able to handle their jobs more proactively. Well, I think one of the biggest things in, in, in where I am a fairly staunch planner is trying to plan out those contingencies. So knowing that things go wrong and knowing that people's schedules are delayed, um, we can't afford to have people standing by waiting with nothing to do. So we have to be able to plan on what pieces of the schedule and what pieces of the project are not part of a critical timeline and identify the critical items and identify the less critical, almost standalone items. There are pieces of a project that I can break off and perform almost at any point in the, in the schedule. It can be done in the first month. It can be done in the last month. And being ready to have those sitting, waiting to be done when and when something goes wrong, the delivery's delayed. Okay, I can shift two people over here. We can start working on this because the materials are there and the layout's done. So making sure that all the small insignificant parts are planned out and ready to go, the materials are on site, and at least some, you know, maybe it's just questions have been answered enough to work on those and have those waiting in the wings. Those types of contingencies allow me to work through all of the, all the bumps and hurdles that we run into. Could be weather delays. I could have, I just need to have two or three days of inside work available for when a storm like, you know, like today up here in New England comes through. Exactly. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Dave. Yeah, Dave, we want to thank you once again for joining us on the show. Uh, and we look forward to having you back again in the future. Anytime. I appreciate it. Great. Thank you. All right, Tim. Well, the chain of learning continues. That was a great episode. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, uh, I guess I have to sit here and admit it went a little different direction than I thought it was going to. But the information was so cool. And just, you know, the two or three week look ahead is something that's kind of been out there for a long time and people are working on doing it. The fact that they're doing it effectively uh, is a big thing. Uh, having the whiteboard on site. That was great. For the detail weekly schedule for next week uh, is big. And it's a shared responsibility. It's not just the lead. It's not just the project manager. But even their trades are are contributing to it. But I got to say the big thing, and I'll talk about this with everybody as I travel around the country, was just planning for something to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is, I bet you nobody, not nobody, but very few people do that and actually think about it that way. But just the idea that he knows something's going to go wrong. He has a pretty good grasp on where it might happen. And so he's actually planning for something to go wrong. Yeah, that's incredible. It's kind of, uh, you know, it's opposite of what we would do based on attracting things into our life. We don't want to attract something bad, but it's just not the case. You're attracting a smooth project based on being aware of something happening. When he said that, I particularly thought of like, six jobs where I could have used that info. So yeah, I think the other thing, and I commented it uh, while we were w- with him, but the idea that the red flag gets, gets pumped up there by somebody, somebody says, Hey, this, you know, my, yeah, yeah. my timeline's pretty tight. 
rather than just hoping the timeline works, he's actively changing the timeline to make it work. And that's been my big beef with so many people for years is that it isn't about, you know, hoping that it happens. It's about making things happen. And he obviously is good at making things happen even when they go wrong. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, once again, we want to thank Dave Whitting for joining us again today. And we would really want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.